Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Unless you have always wanted to be a mother, chances are you can imagine a sliding door moment where another version of you goes on to live her life without children. And even though we live in the 21st century, childless women are still something that society doesn't quite know what to do with. Are they selfish and hedonistic? Are they all barren witches who are thwarting the natural order of things? Whether it's through choice or circumstance, childless women are often pitied or presumed to be yearning for their own brood. Tori Shepherd is a journalist who has tackled this phenomenon in her book On Freedom. It's part of the Melbourne University Press series of little books on big ideas. Hi, Tori. How are you? I am I am excellent, although a little frightened about the barren witchy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping you could hear the um, tone of my voice in that in that expression. Uh, have you ever had a sliding door moment where you could see a different version of yourself on the other side with children? I think this. I think the sliding door analogy is absolutely perfect. I did have my own sliding door, so I never wanted children. I never had that urge. You know, I like kids. I just never had the the craving, the yearning. And then as I got older, I started to feel maybe guilty about that and I started to want to want is the phrase I use. I knew it would make my husband at the time really happy. I knew it would make my parents happy. I knew it was the, you know, scare quotes, normal thing to do. And so I got to a point where I actually tried for a while, but it still just felt wrong and I still didn't want it. And when I tried to imagine that life with kids, I wasn't happy with it and so I stopped trying and you it's interesting you mentioned there it was the idea that it was the norm like Mm. it seems that there must be a stack of people who sleepwalk into what's expected of them as opposed to making a conscious choice is that your I mean that's a bit of a hard thing to say whether you have that experience (laughs) or not but um is, is part is that part of the problem that when women consciously choose not to have children, those who unconsciously chose to have them feel like they have to justify why they went ahead and did it themselves? I think that's absolutely true. And I think it's sort of a sad state of affairs. But I do feel as though when I talk to women with children about just not wanting them, the initial reaction is as though I'm questioning their choice to have them. Um, I guess there's a, that human kind of instinct whenever you come smack up against somebody who's made quite different choices it makes you reflect on your own and go well are you challenging what I decided to do and especially when they're neck deep in dirty nappies and sleepless nights and exactly (laughs) and and have probably never thought I wish I never had kids but suddenly go oh there's a different choice and that happens less now my mother often talked about how kind of easy it was for her generation because you didn't think about it. Well, not many people thought about it. You you know, you got older, you, you got married, you had kids. And she, one of the reasons it's called On Freedom was because she said to me, I'm not jealous of your freedom, you know. Women, have to, women today have to make so many tough choices about, you know, whether to have kids, how many to have, when to start having them, when to stop having them. Whereas we just sort of had this kind of, Get married, have three, and that's it. That's all. That's just what you did. Mm. Can you explain the difference between the terms childless and child-free? 
I think these terms are evolving and I have some problems with some of them. So child-free is what is used by people who are childless by choice. I, I think it sounds a little smug and I don't really <laughs> like it. <laughs> you know, like it's like smoke-free, you know, like hooray. And it's, a, it's a little too celebratory for my likes. But nevertheless, that's what some of the emerging literature uses. So that's childless by choice. Then there's childless, which is just blanket, you know, anyone who doesn't have kids. And then in between, you know, there's this whole gamut of experiences. There's people who kind of chose career and then left it too late and didn't end up having kids, which is a little bit different to me saying I never wanted them. There are people who decided it was too hard to run the IVF game for too long or whose circumstances. There's a, there's a phrase that's used, which is... Um, circumstantially childless, which is where somebody wants kids, but all the other factors that they deemed necessary didn't fall into place. And you can imagine, you know, it's harder for gay couples to have kids. Uh, It's harder for people with some health issues to have kids, and maybe they wanted them, but just weren't willing to undergo, you know, whether it's surgery or procedures or, you know, navigating government processes in order to get there. Mm. Do you, do people make certain assumptions about you because you don't have children? All the time. <laughs> it's you know now that I, I possibly physically look as though it's no longer an option. <laughs> it is it is a bit of an ongoing thing. I mean, there's obviously the push. You know, why don't you want to have kids? And you know, I, I've got to say, this is often not people close to me. This is often strangers, which is why I find it sort of flabbergasting. Like, why yeah. would you play into my personal decisions when we just met on the side of the soccer pitch, kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I think now that I'm a bit older, and I suppose now more people know that I'm not having them, there's an assumption that it means that I'm, you know, partying on every night and up to Ibiza in the holidays and all these <laughs> sorts of things. And you know, actually all adults have other responsibilities besides children. Yeah. I, I'm a bit disappointed that you're not partying all I'm night. I'm terribly and... sorry. I know. I wish I could invent an alter ego, which is, you know, I suppose this is in that child-free kind of band, you know, like, woohoo. <laughs> Somehow independently wealthy magically because I, <laughs> <laughs> I can do whatever I like. I dislike this idea that women's work life is work and kids because the truth is we do all sorts of other things as well to keep us quite busy and don't necessarily allow us to um, party on every night. Um, there's also a lot of judgment when it comes to women in power, the judgment is, seems to slam them on both sides. So mm. they get judged if they have babies and they go back to work. Let's use the political arena as an example here. Or um, they get judged if they are in a political role and they don't have children, like somehow they can't make mm. policy that is good for families. You're either Jacinda Ardern or you're Julia Gillard. Yes. It's such <laughs> a dichotomy. I mean, does it sort of, is part of the shock of this situation is that it's still happening today. I mean, why is this idea of motherhood such a, almost like a cult? Well, cult, that does make sense in some circumstances. Let's keep it to the workplace. It's, it just, it makes me kind of angry what women go through because you can be discriminated against when you're going for a job just for being a woman. Um, and then there's the additional level of discrimination if they worry that you might think about having kids further on and that might mean time out of the work, workplace. When you're in the workplace, you can be discriminated against for not having kids because, like Julia Gillard, you're seen as you know, being unempathetic, uh, a little bit different, hard to understand, a bit of a witch. Uh, you get discriminated against if you have kids. And then there's this 
sort of the, the, the 4.59 every day problem where if women have to leave, because they're still doing the vast majority of the care, have to leave to go and pick up kids. Everyone left in the office going, oh, you know, 4.59, out they go. But on the other hand, women without kids feel like they have to stay there and pick up all the other work because people don't think they really have anything to go. Yeah, that's right. I know, I know friends who don't have children and they'd be back at work till like nine o'clock. And I said, you know, that's just, that's ridiculous. Like it just because I have to be home to look after my children doesn't mean you should be back at work till nine or that that's okay in any way, shape or form. No, it's ridiculous. And it's, I I guess one of the points I hope comes across in the book is that this isn't just about how women without kids are treated. It's about how society keeps tethering us to our wounds and judging that as one of our primary functions or always just, um, considering us in light of that function, there's almost there's no escape from it, and it's amazing now that the world has changed so much, and so many women are choosing not to have kids that there's still a stigma. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, another part of that argument, I guess, is in your book you say that over the next few de- decades, couples without children are set to outnumber those who have them. Mm. So this um, idea about attaching women to their wombs actually comes from a kind of a fear of um, extinction. Like they're, they're worried that um, we're not making enough taxpayers, that we're not breeding enough, we're not replacing those who are passing away. Did you walk into a handmaid's tale right then? Exa- that? Yes, I did. I did. Um, but that is, that is the, uh, part of the underlying fear as well, isn't it? There is. And I would say that's um, implicit in Australia, you know, have one for the country sort of thing, but it's explicit in other countries where, you know, in Germany, for example, far-right groups are literally saying, don't let the Muslims outbreed us, get our women to have more. So there's a a racial side to it as well. And what's happened is all um, developed nations are now pretty much below replacement rate. So it's 1.74 kids per woman in Australia, which isn't enough to keep the population up. So we rely on immigration and I have, you know, I think that's fabulous. Um, but it does cause this tension with some people who, particularly on the far right, who tend to then go, what do we do about it? Bloody hell, we gave those women their freedom and now they're not having enough kids. <laughs> Maybe we need to wind some things back here. Too late. It's way too, too late. Well, too late. But then, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily tied, but you have a look at some of the changes in family planning law in America. <laughs> oh, no. I'm getting depressed. We're going to have to change the topic. Let's, let's change the topic. <laughs> Well, look, let's let's try and see it uh, with rose-coloured glasses, or at least optimistic glasses. What would you like to see change, or what do you think needs to change when it comes to our idea or our ideas about women, motherhood, not having children, that whole subject? So I think the primary thing for me is to just get rid of the stigma on women and their wombs, all of them childless, women with kids, everything. Look at how we deal with men. When we talk about men's work-life balance, we sort of think about, yeah, so they do their time at work and then obviously, you know, you go out with friends and then you've got golf on the weekends and then you've got all of this. Whereas for women, as I said before, work-life looks more like working than going home and dealing with kids. It's like we're trying to confine women to these roles. The other example is always that, you know, a, a mother of three was hit by a car yesterday the six times Nobel laureate says the second sentence. So it goes yeah. it goes both ways. It's about having empathy for people's decisions. It's about not judging them because of their particular situation. I mean, 
this, you know, the strangers who are hassling me, I just kept thinking, you don't know. You don't know if I haven't just had a traumatic miscarriage. Yeah. You don't know what's happened in my life that's brought me here, but you are crying away at this personal decision. So I guess it's an awareness of that. And then the second thing is with that sort of demographic shift that we were talking about before is to be able to have conversations about it that aren't just from the far right and aren't about, you know, fear of immigration, but are actually about, hey, things are changing. We're not going to restrict women's freedom, so we need to work out what happens next. Mm, Tori, it is so interesting. And that your book on freedom is a very easy read. So thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thanks so much for having me. That's Tori Shepherd. She's a journalist and author of On Freedom. For more information on the book and where you can get a copy, check out the notes in this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.